Hey, everybody, it's Ron Johnson, and this is the Ron Johnson Show on Locked On Sports Minnesota. Got Eric Decker joining me on the Hangover Ron Johnson segment. Looking forward to sitting down with Deck. This is going to be a two-day event. Decker's interview went so long, we had to split it up into two days. But this guy is extremely interesting, and he has a lot to say, but also some gopher football content talk that I'm not sure a lot of people know. And then also, Eric Decker has an idea about because he's, he's naked in a couple pictures, and he has a reason why. And he explains that coming up next on the Ron Johnson Show. Locked on Sports Minnesota Podcast. It's endless Minnesota Vikings talk with the diverse voices of your local experts. Now the Ron Johnson Show. On the field, in the broadcast booth, Ron Johnson is Minnesota sports. He's played with them, hung out with them, and grown up with all the big names in Minnesota sports. They're hanging out with Ron Johnson. It's the Ron Johnson Show on the Locked On Sports Minnesota podcast. And it starts now. Hey, everybody, it's Ron Johnson, and this is the Ron Johnson Show on Locked On Sports Minnesota. I want everybody to know this episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Just make every moment more. All you have to do is visit FanDuel.com backslash Locked On to get started. Trust me, it's really simple. You also have the app after that. There's a lot of first bets you can get offers from Locked On, but make sure you visit FanDuel.com backslash Locked On. And, of course, Vikings, Buccaneers, it's up and loaded, people. So make sure you check that out. As I bring Sam Exerman to the show, my uh, producer. Looking forward to today's show, Sam. We got uh, Eric Decker joining us for a two-day event. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I like that format. We've kind of talked about that. I know uh, for those everydayers, uh, the format is going to change moving forward. I think um, we, we I want to get enough content out there for people to be able to consume it long-term. And I think uh we we may give them too many guests during the week i I think a once a week kind of format maybe fits better to to allow people to 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 watch just one good podcast for the week kind of an evergreen interview uh with an upcoming opponent as well talk a little gopher football a little vikings football and then of course uh the minnesota football party and some other things you guys can catch me on those shows we're gonna definitely download and and discuss vikings and gophers football all week that's not going to change on Locked On Sports Minnesota. Uh, but I'm Ron Johnson. That's Sam Extra, my producer. And Sam, it, it, it's game week. And it, I, I'm not going to lie, it felt weird even like yesterday on Monday because Monday technically is game week. And then you see the players practicing. You see TJ Hawkinson. All 53 guys showed up to practice. So there's no ear infections, no back injuries. Uh, everybody's out there, Sam. Uh, but it, it felt weird. Like it still does. I don't know. I, until Until Sunday morning. When I'm headed to the stadium, and I know you, you're used to this, you see the omelet station, mm-hmm. or kind of bacon and potatoes with a little egg. Um, it, even then, to me, like even when I do the pregame show, every like it doesn't feel like football until football gets going. And I think that's what every player right now is is thinking with the Minnesota Vikings because they didn't play in the preseason like a lot of other teams did with their starters. Aaron Rodgers played. You know, you, you look at so many starters that went out there and played. But the Minnesota Vikings didn't do it. Now it worked last year. So why change it if you're 13 and four? I'm gonna start there, Sam. Do you are you concerned at all with the Vikings being one of the few teams to not play pretty much any starters in the preseason? 
Not necessarily, Ron. On offense, I think that they got a lot of reps last year. There, there are not as many changes on that side of the ball. Mm-hmm. Defense might have liked to see uh, uh, some more of those starters trying to get used to this new Flores defense because mid-season last year, we were hearing from people that, well, it, it takes a while to learn this Donatel defense. That's why we're struggling. Well, maybe it would have helped if you'd have played in the preseason. So I don't want to hear that again. Um, <laughs> I, but Ron, what we talked about this with the Gophers, doesn't it feel like kind of a, a big mystery? Like you go, we, we don't know how they're going to react to this Flores defense. Is it going to work? Mm-hmm. Is it going to have the, the effect that we hope it has on offense? They bring in Josh Oliver, you know, they extend CJ ham. Is the offense actually going to change a little bit more run heavy this year? We don't know. Feels like, again, we're going in with these mysteries that have yet to be solved about how this team is going to look. Yeah, I mean, you you don't know. You don't know how this team's going to look. Offensively, I think we kind of know. It's going to look a little bit like what we saw in the preseason, but with more trinkets, more flashy pre-snap stuff, because um, Kevin O'Connell mentioned that. Like, you know, some of the pre-snap reads, you know, he's very interested to see how Justin Jefferson and Kirk Cousins handles them. Some of the post-snap reads, when you think about Cooper Cup and, and what he did with the Rams and how they talked about so many choice routes and so many options. I talked to BC Johnson, a former Vikings receiver, and he 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 confirmed, like, yeah, when we when we got our iPads, we had a ton of stuff on there that was Rams offense it was rams offense it was choice routes it was hey here's the coverage here's the you have two or three possible routes um and for people to understand that it's it's honestly really simple um the the two things that need to happen for that choice route to work the offensive line has to give kirk cousins time and the receiver and the quarterback have to be seeing the same thing uh the reason i say that is if it's man nine times out of ten in man the receiver is going to break out you can't sit and you don't want to go inside because then usually there's some other stuff inside to help out in man coverage. When you think about zone, usually there's a guy high. In zone, you don't want to move in the zone. You just want to hook up. The last one is man, but it's kind of like shading man and saying, I'm going to force you to somebody inside. Now, if there's man and he's playing you outside and you break in, that could be the third part of the route where we see like a slant or some kind of in route, but nine times out of 10, you're not going that way because they're forcing you inside for a reason because there's a linebacker waiting to pick it off. We remember that from the Falcons game years ago when Kirk Cousins had this big play that was supposed to be the big trick play of the game that Mike Zimmer had drawn up, and we start off the Falcons game. Falcons had not won a game all season, and he started off with an interception, I think, to the house. Um, and, and that's what happens when you don't understand that the reason why you feel like this guy coming across the middle is wide open because there's another guy on the other side waiting for you to think the same thing, and he's acting like he's doing something else. So in, in that aspect, that's what the choice route is. Uh, for those watching on YouTube, for those watching on Amazon Fire and Roku, I did the air quotes because it's it's to understand what the coverage is, and that's what, what the quarterback, receiver have to be on the same page, offensive line. You say great unknown, Sam, and here's where I go with another great unknown. Nobody knows what the Buccaneers are going to be. Honestly, you got right. Rashad White at running back. You got Ma- Baker Mayfield for the first time at quarterback. You got Coquif starting at tight end, which we kind of know what Coquif's going to be. Their other tight end is Kay Colton, or uh, sorry, Kay Otten. Um, you, you look at the offensive line, is not, a, I mean, other than Tristan Wirfs, uh, not a lot of names where you're like, oh, yeah, I remember that guy. You know, receiver wise, you got Mike Evans, but rumor is he might want to be out of there uh I, I don't blame him so clearly something's not great at practice that he's not happy with but that's the problem when you go from a tom brady to a baker mayfield it changes 
you got Chris Godwin, who's fast. Uh, you got Trey Palmer, the rookie out of Nebraska. Uh, so you do have some pieces to this puzzle. But at the end of the day, it's, this is like a two tight end starting, two receiver, one running back type of offense. Coquif, we know, can play a little fullback, so maybe he'll motion back and be a lead blocker. But Sam, th- these are both two unknown teams. Going into this game, this is my thought on the Vikings offense. Just score. But it's not that simple. You have to score at a high clip just in case your defense is pretty much what it was last year. For the defense, you have to get after Baker Mayfield. You have to make Baker Mayfield so uncomfortable that because when he gets comfortable, he's good. He's cocky and he's good. And that's what you don't want is a cocky, comfortable Baker. I mean, we remember the dances Baker Mayfield did. We remember the uh, Ohio State game. We remember the, you know, putting on the book bag of the other team. I mean, all no, no, sorry. That was uh, Drew Locke. That was Baker Mayfield. Uh, but Baker Mayfield probably did something similar to it. But you cannot let him get comfortable. When he gets comfortable and he's feeling confident, he's actually dangerous. Uh, uh, he's not Russell Wilson dangerous, but he's dangerous. And so I'd say early on, that's what I'm going to be watching. How much quarterback pressure are they getting on the quarterback? How effective is Daniil Hunter and maybe this new look defense? And then where are they using these safeties? I mean, you got so many safeties heading into week one. Not much has changed. Nikhil Harry is back on the practice squad. So not what we thought was going to happen, which is maybe another running back, another receiver, and then cut one mm-hmm. of the safeties. They're going into it with all these safeties. So one, these safeties all made special teams. Uh, but two, there, there has to be some three safety packages. You don't have this many safeties for four guys to just sit on the bench for the majority of the game uh, and just play special teams. So I'm looking forward to seeing how Brian Flores uh, unleashes, I guess we'll call it, unleashes this group of guys. Right. Um, but but other than that, Sam, here's here's a guy, here's some guys that I want, not some guys, one guy that I think I am going to keep my eye on for this game. And my guy is K.J. Osborne. K.J. Osborne, because I think the Buccaneers are probably sitting back saying, we got to take Justin Jefferson out of this. They don't have Dalvin Cook, so we want them to run the ball. You don't have a guy that we're scared of in Alexander Madison, which we'll talk about that in Daily 3. But Justin Jefferson, like Jordan Addison, prove it to us. Uh, Your tight ends, prove it to us. Uh, I mean, T.J. Hawkins, you're making a ton of money, so let's see what you can do. But Justin Jefferson, we know can kill us. We know what kind of weapon that is. My guy to watch is going to be K.J. Osborne on this Minnesota Vikings team. As far as the Bucks offense, I don't really know, but uh, I'm keeping an eye on Baker Mayfield. I think everybody is, but Kent, Kent, is he the quarterback of the future for them? Probably not, but you never know. I don't know. who, who what, are, what are one or two guys you're watching before we get into this uh, Eric Decker mm-hmm. interview? Yeah, let me add some context to Mayfield. I looked up his stats under pressure the last three seasons. Passer rating under pressure last year ranked 25th, year before that 26th, year before that 21st. So you boiled it down pretty effectively right there. You got to put pressure on him and he's going to be inaccurate. He's going to make a lot of mistakes and he's been mistake prone his entire career. And the last time he played at US Bank Stadium, he was all over the place. I think that the recipe there is pretty simple. And you're going to be throwing, you know, these seven man blitzes at him, or at least showing seven men, and then dropping a couple and bringing your your nickel corner mm-hmm. coming from every every direction. That's a great way to create turnovers, be uh, positive in the take give. So I'm really excited for that. But I'm excited too, Ron, to see the the diversity in these schemes. Like there's 48 active on game day. Three of those are special teamers. So you got 45 players. 
how many guys are they going to incorporate? Like on this defense, you can make a case that everybody is almost going to see some action. You're going to rotate linebackers a little bit, get Ivan Pace and Asamoah involved, and mm-hmm. obviously Jordan Hicks. You're going to be probably using a lot of safeties. Are you going to bring in another cornerback to rotate in? Like there, there's just a lot of guys that are going to have their their fingerprints on this game. It feels like to me, uh, they're not just going to roll with the starting eleven. They're going to be rotating in and out a lot. So what are these? little sub packages that they're going to use. And then on offense too, are they going to get into the Johnny months of the world? Are they going to, you know, do some creative stuff with Brandon Powell? Um, I just think there's going to be a lot of diversity in the scheme and the personnel that I'm excited to see. Yeah. And, and for this, you know, Tampa Bay Buccaneers team, their offense, like we said, it's a great unknown. Um, what is not unknown about this Buccaneers team? And this is what could get scary and, and, and challenging, their defense still has names of names. Like you got, you got uh, Avita Vea, you got uh, Kalijah Kansi, uh, you still got Devin White, you got Levante David, you got Shaquille Barrett. So their linebackers, I mean, their linebackers are still guys. Like they still mm-hmm. have guys there. You have Antoine Winfield on the back end. You have uh, Ryan Neal who came over from the Seahawks, started ten games for the Seahawks. So they have some names. Their corners, uh, not not a bunch of guys that you would recognize right away. But they've played some time in the NFL. Uh, When you talk about Carlton Davis III, you know, six years, played at Auburn. Uh, So definitely a guy that, you know, has some experience. Uh, You also have Jamal – sorry, Jamel Dean played at Auburn as well. So I don't know if it's – they love Auburn cornerbacks, uh, but they have two Auburn cornerbacks. Uh, Both have been with the Buccaneers this entire time. So you're looking at a five-year and a six-year vet. So they're not young back there. Uh, when you talk about the Minnesota Vikings, the Caleb Evanses, the 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 Andrew Booth Juniors, these unknown young cornerbacks other than Byron Murphy Jr. So it's you're looking at the tail of the tape. You can't just count the Buccaneers out. Like I think a lot of people have because the world is saying the Buccaneers can't win, but the Buccaneers aren't feeling that way. Um, they're not tanking, I don't think, for any. I mean, I don't think anybody thinks they can be worse than the Cardinals. So there's no point in truly tanking. Um, but this defense, I think, can stop some people. And so mm-hmm. this offense for the Vikings can be very efficient. But let's not forget, this defense is still uh, a, a, a tough, uh, you know, hard-nosed group. Um, the funny thing is, like, Will Ghostin right now, because Logan Hall they have as the starter. Will Ghostin was the starter, so I'm wondering what's going on there. Uh, did he just get outplayed on the D-line by Logan Hall? Um, you know. It's it's very especially Logan Hall being the younger kid out of out of uh, Houston, uh, only played one year last year for the Bucks. So maybe because Will and we know Will Ghostin is older, like he's 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 towards the end of his career. Uh, he's been in the league for eleven years, so it could be one of those. Hey, vet, we're gonna keep you around. Uh, you're a good piece of this puzzle, but we have a young guy we think we're gonna start off with uh, for this. So Will Ghostin is on the roster, not a starter as of now, but they are gonna rotate. Uh, so again, they, they have some names in there and they have some veterans in that room helping these young guys out. Well, now it's time to get to this Eric Decker interview. And whenever you can sit down with a legend like that, I mean, he's one of the best gopher receivers in the history of gopher football. But before we get to this Eric Decker interview, we got a word from our sponsors. Football starts in two days, Ron. Thursday night football, Lions and Chiefs. It's coming up. And FanDuel's the best place to bet football. And they've got great new promotions to prove it. Uh, first of all, if you're a new customer, bet five, get 200. It's as easy as that. You bet five, they give you $200 in bonus bets straight to your account. And those are guaranteed. And all customers using FanDuel, you bet five, 
You also become eligible for $100 off NFL Sunday Ticket from YouTube and YouTube TV. That's the new home of NFL Sunday Ticket. Watch every game in every market. So now's the best time to join FanDuel. Take advantage of the promotions and bet football this season at America's number one sports book. It's a very easy-to-use app. Go to FanDuel.com slash on as well to get started. FanDuel.com slash on And check out the ways to wager. I mean, just go to the Vikings-Bucks game. Click through hundreds of options to wager on just that one game at FanDuel.com slash on. FanDuel, an official partner of the NFL. Well, now it's time for the Hanging with Ron Johnson segment, and this one is a fun one, a special one. Uh, I get to talk to my boy, a guy that I saw when he was a freshman, and I told the coaches then, this, this guy's going to be good. Uh, Eric Decker, Gophers wide receiver, NFL wide receiver, uh, male model, uh, married to Jesse James Decker, uh, country singer. Uh, Eric Decker is one of the top Gopher receivers in Gopher football history. Uh, when you talk about yards, stats, touchdowns, overall, he was on the Mount Rushmore of Gopher football when they voted uh, for the top four receivers. It was Eric Decker, uh, Tyler Johnson, Rashad Bateman, and somehow, I'm, I'm very thankful, I ended up on that uh, on that list. Uh, but Eric Decker, man, thanks for, for joining me on the Ron Johnson Show and the Hanging Ron Johnson segment. Uh, first, I just want to jump out there, man. When you came from Cold Spring, in your mind, did you think like, hey, I can – I can end up because I saw it. I think I don't know if I told you, but I know I told Coach C, I told Coach Mason. I saw you. I think it was like bowl game practice your freshman year. I saw you run a route, and I'm like, man, this kid's good. And uh, did you ever think that you would be in the position you were in as far as like one of the best go for wide receivers ever? You know, honestly, uh, coming from a small town, and my story is I was about to go to a Division three school until I got a one day invite for the camp and coach Mason offered me a scholarship. But like at that time transitioning to college, like my mentality was I'm just a small town kid. And I think it took me that first year to kind of get hit, you know, rally around a little bit, really learn what the physicality of big 10 football is to say, okay, can I survive? Cause I, I remember in off season, you know, it's 15 below I'm going to winter workouts and I'm challenging myself, do I really want to do this? And I think that was kind of a defining moment for me is like, yeah, you got to stick this out. You got you to fight through some adversity. And I think as I got closer to my second year into it, because I redshirted, I started to see, okay, I can fit in. I can, I can compete with these guys. And, uh, you know, my, my thing has always been to outwork people. And, and that's kind of what I've leaned on was just to like grind every day and just kind of sack those bricks. Um, and so I think by that time going into the season – I felt okay, encouraged that I could I could you know hold my own. And when when you look at your career, you know I think Peyton Manning did a lot for it, showing up in Denver uh, mm-hmm. early on. You know no, nobody knew what the Denver Broncos and Tim Tebow were going to be, but everybody saw what Peyton Manning was, and then everybody realized like, wow, this Eric Decker guy is good. Um, what what do you remember most about that when Peyton Manning joined you? Yeah, you know we had uh, kind of an up and down season before Kyle Orton actually was a starter. And I was actually having a, a pretty good year, but as a team, we were struggling a little bit. So they made the transition to Tebow and, you know, the offense completely changed. I almost went to just a, a run style uh, offense. And, you know, that season we still had success. I mean, a lot of crazy stories, comebacks, made to the playoff, beat the Steelers in the first round. 
Um, and then, you know, the next year, John Elway was, was the GM at the time, made the decision to bring in uh, Peyton Manning. I think that just changed the landscape of the facility, of the organization, um, because we had a really good defense. Mm -hmm. That's what really kept us in a lot of games and, and won us a lot of games the year prior. But you could tell that just the, the confidence – and, uh, you know, the work ethic was that much stronger when he comes in because you're like, all right, we got a, we got a legit, uh, legit shot here. We got a lot of young talent on the offensive side. We just got to put the kind of the pieces together. And that offseason leading up was, was really exciting because we, you know, flew to North Carolina to work out with him, got to Denver early. And just, you know, the way he worked uh, tremendously helped Demarius and myself in kind of our early career. And I, and I, I coached Peyton when he was with the uh, coach for two years under Tony Dungy. So I know a lot of the Peytonisms. Yeah. Uh, I know a lot of the dry humor stuff. Um, but when you talk about Peyton on the field, and, and as a receiver, like I remember talking to Reggie Wayne and Marvin Harrison uh, and Antonio and uh, Anthony Gonzalez about this, about like how long do you guys wait? Because I know when he comes to the line of scrimmage sometimes, and, and there's more of the coach. I don't know if he had you guys do this in Denver, but they all put their outside foot up so that they could watch him where we grew up, where your inside foot was up uh, when you're a receiver, because you're going to run a three-step slant. Well, the Colts ran a four-step slant. I don't know if that kind of changed in Denver where you started running four-step slants, six-step bangs, uh, stuff like that, you know, bang, bang post for people that know it's a quick post. Uh, I know it's a Peyton thing. It's an NFL thing, but I know Peyton loved it. But when you talk about that, like Peyton coming to the line of scrimmage, uh, right away, you know, he's scrapping the player. He's going to can the play, can, can, can. How hard was that early on for you to like sit there and wait for him to go through all his stuff before he got to your play? Yeah, you got you got antsy. I think that's what you kind of ironed out, worked out in training camp because we would have a walkthrough before the walkthrough just to go through like you're saying these things, and he would not even call a play, but he'd be ah, nah, nah, you know he just kind of like try to intimidate the defense, and you're jumping off sides. He's like, "What's the play? What are you gonna run? What, what was the play?" You know, just kind of barking at you and. And that was, I think, what separated us, right, was, yeah, you kind of – we had a 10-play uh, a package, and it had names, numbers, codes, you know, everything that made us play really fast. And then there was times where a play was called, and he's at the line of scrimmage, and it was all audible, dummy stuff, just to kind of figure out what the coverage was. As you got more reps with it, the more comfortable you got. And that was really, you know, kind of to my favor, because for me, I'm not the, the most explosive – you know, just freaking nature like the Marius Thomas was. I had to kind of outthink people, find the open zones, all route running stuff. And so I thrived in that system. And, uh, you know, it just made us play fast. It, it just, we grinded people down. And it was, it was honestly, once you got comfortable, entertaining, just watching the defenses freak out and like try to make their own adjustments. And by the end of it, they're just playing soft coverage because they're like, all right, we'll just back off a little bit. And that's when we kind of just dink and dunk all the way down the field. The, the funniest thing, because you say that, like, I, I remember, like, one of those walkthroughs before the walkthrough, because we would be in the indoor in Indianapolis for training camp, and the offense would go through a walkthrough first, and I'll never forget, it was, we, I think we did, like, one play, but one play took, like, seven minutes, because he had to keep going over it, and he had to keep telling the guys, like, this was, and at one point, Jeff Saturday, the center, just sat on the ground, and was like, man, I'm not standing here for this, like, come on, like, like what are you doing like we get it like the corner or the because uh, he wanted to make the nickel the mic and he's trying to explain to the offensive line why like this is going to be the mic and so then he's counting for them saying hey there's two corners outside of the nickel so meaning it's going to take one of those corners to come 
for you to be hot. And he was talking to, I, I wasn't there for this, but he kind of told me the story because I was the grunt work coach. You know, I made copies. I was the assistant receivers coach. And he told me that like, and your boy, Ben Utec, I don't know if he ever told you the story, but Ben Utec had a similar situation where uh, Peyton Manning had, had given everybody, like I used to make the copies and then I'd hand them out to all the coaches. And you know how that goes in meetings. And so I handed all the coaches out the changes. Well, I guess Ben Utec wasn't paying attention. And so they get out there on the field. Peyton calls the check. Ben Utech has no idea what it is. And so instead of like, it's practice. Instead of saying, oh, wait, what, what is that? Yeah. He just runs like straight. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, you know what? I'm going to just clear out the seam. Like, I, maybe I'm right. And Peyton, and then it was actually like supposed to be to him. He was supposed to like hook up. And then I think Reggie was going to run like a deep or a, a short over behind him. Well, he throws it at the back of Ben Utech's head. <laughs> Yeah, it hits him with the ball, and then later, UTech tells the story. Later, Peyton, like in the breakdown, you know, whatever, bring it up, team. All right, both. He's like, and some of y'all need to put down the guitar and stop singing and, and pick up the playbook. So, when you say that, the hut, 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 and then somebody jumps. So, were you the guy that jumped off sides? Oh, I mean, we all were, yeah, some <laughs> a few times. And I, I've you know, run the wrong hot as well. You know, it's funny you say that because you'll mic someone just to make you know, the guy guarding you the hot, so right make the adjustment right and so he'll sit in the line he'll just he'll stare at you because he wants you to point him out like hey right he's right here he just he just stares at you he's like you're talking next guy and he'll just replace you you know just like oh yeah (laughs) it's like oh that's what you know i think it 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 made it and we talk about his personality like when he's on the field he really is the general he is you know coordinating practice he is manipulating stuff off the field yeah just a dry humor uh, you know, fun guy to be around. And it's, it's a good mix because you learn, like, when you work, you work. And when you're off the field, you got to enjoy the process as well. And seven years ago, Peyton Manning did the Michael Orr spoof. I had never seen that until now because, of course, Michael Orr is famous again for his family not really adopting him and doing a conservatorship. Uh, but Peyton Manning did. I don't know if you saw that, but he's like, he walks up, Sandra Bullock is like the movie, but then he's spoofing himself in there like, wait a minute, I'm, I'm Peyton Manning. I have houses. I don't need to come to your house. And he goes to his house. And then, like, in the end, he's, like, hiding behind the couch as she's looking for him, and he's calling Eli. And Eli is an old Miss guy, so that's what people don't understand. It's a double joke because right. Eli's laughing because, you know, he's stuck in this house of some lady trying to force him to play quarterback for Ole Miss. And he's like, Eli, it's not funny. Stop laughing. He's like, this lady keeps calling me Big Mike. You know, and so it's, it's like a whole spoof about it. So his humor, you can see it, and I always knew – like it was weird, funny, like, you know, cause he did, he would do stuff all the time. And the coaches, you know, we'd sit in the meeting room, like, what is he talking about? <laughs> but, <laughs> but the one thing I will say though, is transitioning to a different quarterback you played and you were blessed. I was, I tell Adam Weber this all the time. I wish I could have had a consistent quarterback for three years. I had Billy Cockrum. I had Andy Persby. Then I had Assad Abdul Kalik. And then I had a transfer in Travis Cole, my senior who came in from a Juco in California because Assad, I mean, I don't know if you ever met Assad Abdul Kalik, but he was immature. He was a very immature, uh, third year he was his third year by then but he was immature so I think Glenn Mason was kind of like look we might need to get a quarterback in here uh and so he gets a, a Juco transfer ends up starting like eight games him and Assad split time um but you were blessed to have Adam Weber for three years Adam Weber 10,000 yards one of the best go for quarterbacks in history um how how cool was that though to have like a consistent quarterback even though because I know your your offenses might have changed a little bit with Jed Fish and some other guys but you still had your QB the whole time how was that yeah, no, it was awesome. You know, first time I met Adam was actually uh, at that camp. Um, 
you know, in, in the summer at Minnesota in high school and just kind of we, we even hit it off then. And I know he, he was being looked at, not signed yet. Um, and then coming in, having him for really the tenure of my career uh, was, like you said, just to have that consistency. And we built a really strong friendship. So, you know, you have that trust off the field that translates so well on the field. And, you know, we had our own shares of bumps with, yeah, we had a new coordinator about every year. And so for him, just the challenge to learn a new system, a new language, you know, obviously telling what the line to do, receivers, understanding everybody's role. But at the same point, we knew we could rely on each other. And I think that was the takeaway for my career was I was definitely blessed to have him there the whole time through my career and someone that was super consistent, someone that was super successful uh, at the college level. And I remember 2009 because that was my first year working with uh, the Big Ten Network. So I was able to cover some games. I did Michigan State. So I, I've talked to Kirk Cousins about that because that was Kirk Cousins kind of first year getting a chance to start. He split time with Keith Nichols. So Kurt and I have, Kirk and I have had that conversation. And then I remember 2009 as well. I got to have Eric Decker join us in the booth. I don't know if you remember that, but you came up to the booth. Uh, I don't know if it was the Illinois game maybe, but you had just gotten hurt. Uh, we kind of announced it to the world that, you know, you were going to be done and you were going to have surgery and get ready for the NFL. Um, you only played eight games that year. And I think I did, actually, I think I did like three or four gopher games that year on the Big Ten Network. Um, but the one thing I do remember is, man, in eight games, you already had 50 <laughs> catches. There's guys that don't get 50 catches at Minnesota in 12 or 13 games. You had 50 and eight the year before you had 84. So you were probably headed towards 250 catches. Uh, probably 3,600 yards, probably 35 touchdowns because you finished with five. You probably would have had at least 10, so maybe 31 touchdowns or 29 touchdowns. Uh, but when that injury happened, do you think that like helped you just mentally start preparing for the NFL, or do you kind of wish you can go back to that time? And get yeah, it I, I wish I could get it back. You know, I think I struggled the last two years uh, with injuries. You know, I remember my junior year, just the same thing, an ankle injury that kind of legged on for the rest of the year towards the end. And then obviously my foot, the Liz Frank that ended my college career. I mean, there's two things. I was burnt out mentally mm -hmm. and emotionally from playing baseball and football. And I think, you know, in the long run, it was probably was the best thing for me. It made me shut down and kind of, you know, though I was probably depressed and like angry and all these different emotions, I was able to like focus on myself and get my body into a professional state. Um, and you know, that, that, that was, that was my mindset was like, all right, let's just attack this. And I got uh, to go to, I got my surgery in November and then I went to Arizona in December to start rehabbing and getting ready for the, for the draft. So it was, it was nice to get kind of a fresh, uh, you know, breath of fresh air going to Arizona, somewhere warmer, somewhere different and just kind of being focused on myself. Um, and so I think that really helped the transition truthfully, mentally and emotionally. Cause if I didn't, it would have been football season, bowl game, right into, you know, combine training. And I, I just would have been so burnt out. So, you know, I, I think it was kind of in God's plan to kind of give me that time. No, it, it, it affects me still today, but uh, mentally to be in the right spot. Yeah, because if you think about it, when you look at the uh, NFL draft, and you use the word that, that I like there, and not like like, but I'm glad you said it. Uh, you know, you hit, a, you hit a bout of depression. You know, it, it was it was tough. And, you know, I know PJ Fleck talks about rowing the boat and, and a lot of guys can look back on their life and say, oh, because now when PJ does interviews now, I think he's starting to open up. He admit not admits, but he kind of is quick to say like, yeah, you know, my son had passed away and I, I had to figure out how to get out of bed every day. 
Um, you know, yeah. that was kind of your roll the boat moment uh, yeah. after your foot injury. So when you're going through that process of like having to get out of bed every day, just realize, you know what? Because I know there probably some thought like, is my, you know, is my career over? You know, am I going to get drafted now? Are people going to yeah. question if I'm good enough to play or healthy enough to play in the NFL because it's two years? So, yeah, what, what was that mental state like at that time? Yeah, I, I think for me, just to get healthy again for myself uh, so I could walk again and, and feel comfortable. But then I was nervous going in because, you know, truthfully, a white receiver from Minnesota, like probably not the most attractive thing. I want to see him run. Is he actually quick? He's not mm -hmm. playing, you know, he plays a different style. And so that was, you know, the challenge to me was, okay, well, I'm going to try to dominate, you know, just the interviews, uh, the, the testing, and really you know, bench press is the only thing I could do in the combine, but just, just show up and, and be myself and show that like intelligent wise, I have it, you know, physicality wise, it's a question you're taking, you're taking a chance, but I, I know that it's there. It's just that I need someone to take a chance on me. And so uh, I was fortunate enough to get with a good agent, to get into a good place to do uh, first my surgery, but then my, my physical therapy rehab. And, you know, thank God I ended up in, in Denver and didn't know where I would be, but that was a great place to go as well with kind of the, the doctors that were there um, and the training staff that, that kind of helped even just get me through training camp into that first season. Cause it really took me a full year mm -hmm. to get healthy. And uh, I think that that place, yeah, I didn't feel a lot of pressure where I was drafted because Demarius was the first round draft pick. They had Brandon Lloyd, they had uh, Jabbar Gaffney. So they had some, some, you know, some veteran guys that, did make me feel like I needed to show up and perform year one. So uh, that was, again, just kind of the synopsis of, of really that six-month window of getting to, to the season. And you were drafted in the, you know, to the Minnesota Twins. You're like, again, you're a Minnesota kid. So the, the, the Vikings probably would have been one of your thoughts. Like, man, I love to play for my hometown team. I grew up watching. But then also the Minnesota Twins. I'm, I know you're a baseball guy. You were, was there any, like, inkling in your mind to say, maybe I should do this baseball thing? <laughs> well, what's funny is actually I called Joe Maurer. I was like, what made you choose baseball or football? Well, first of all, he's first round draft, first yeah. overall. So that <laughs> makes a whole lot of sense. But I think his passion lied in baseball. And, you know, for me, that was my first passion when I was young. I was like, Kirby Puckett made over. That's who mm -hmm. I wanted to be. <clears throat> Excuse me. And, but then when I got into high school, I got to the team sport. I mean, football is special. And that's why it's probably one of the greatest sports, the greatest sport in our country today is because of the, the team aspect, the physicality of it, and just, you know, what it brings to, to Sundays and, and every other primetime day. But like my heart was in football. Like I, I loved it. And I also knew that lifestyle wise, it was what I wanted more consistency. I was practicing all week, played a game, baseball. You can be on the road for two weeks. And I'm a family guy. I wanted to have kids and I know how tough it would be just to kind of have both. And so those, you know, I think things steered me into the direction of football. Um, and I also wasn't like that great at, at baseball that I would have been stuck in the minors forever because I probably would have. And so I think that too was like, you know what? I probably have more developed and better skill at football right now. Like that, this is the path I want to go. I think you made a good choice. I think you made a great choice. Uh, when you look at and you talk about that having kids and family, uh, you are married to a celebrity. And, you know, first – did you go after her or did she see you somewhere and come after you? Well, a quick story how we met. Actually, I was in Arizona training. Uh, a friend of mine who I was training with was talking to 
this this girl in Arizona. She said she had a friend. I'm like, great, I'd love to meet your friend. Ended up being Jess, who was living in Tennessee at the time. And so we <clears throat> connected over the phone at first. And you know, that time, 23 years old, I'm I'm young and 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 single, and uh, it was the best thing for us. Like we just had two hour conversations for like three and a half weeks. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to fly to Nashville and come meet you. And so that's how we met, you know, just kind of a, a whim of friends that, you know, somehow met each other. They like just met this girl, like at some charity event <laughs> and like barely stayed in touch with some, I mean, just as, as wild how it all came together, but, you know, fortunate enough that we, we got connected and, Honestly, we just hit it off, and you know, two months after we actually met in person, I'm like, "You're going to come to Denver with me for the season," and uh, the rest is history. Oh, so you told her she has to come, but I was chasing. I was definitely chasing. Like, you know, you kind of have this. <clears throat> and I told her forever, I'm like, uh, "I just want to be single. I want to be able to travel." She's like, "Okay." So, like, she wouldn't. She wouldn't call me for the first two months. She did not call me. She did not text me first. <laughs> I, she had me chasing, and I was chasing hard. <laughs> It's always fun to sit down with Eric Decker. Uh, love everything about him. Also, we got Eric Decker coming up again tomorrow. So make sure you tune in for the rest of that part two of this interview. Uh, just a lot of content. Eric Decker had a lot of great stuff to say. Some Peyton Man- some stuff we didn't even put on camera. Like the Peyton Manning conversations and the Gopher conversations. Uh, just, a, just a, a wealth of knowledge. Talked about the Jets, how he's all in. You saw the hat. He's all in with the Jets now after being out there. Uh, but people, I want you guys to remember, Sirius XM is a proud partner of Locked On Sports. Uh, the Twins will play the Guardians, and this is the time we've been talking about. They have to win these in order to clinch, uh, but they're going to play the Guardians this evening at 5, 10 p.m. Catch every pitch of the hometown broadcast on the SXM app. Just make sure you download the SSM app on whatever platform you're using, and then just search Twins. Well, now it's time for the Daily 3. Like I said, with Eric Decker, we got three questions, three minutes each but might be a little bit shorter. Take it away, Sam. Well, the biggest news in college football over the weekend, Colorado goes in 20-point underdogs into TCU. Deion Sanders at the helm. Deion Sanders' son at quarterback. Mm-hmm. And they beat the Horn Frogs in an instant classic, 45-42. to 42. Are you, Ron Johnson, officially a believer in Coach Prime? I've been a believer in him from the start. The only thing I was worried about, and he even brought that up, was the trenches. Because when you watched um, practices, like there's no question like Travis Hunter, we know how big and tall he is. We know how how big and tall Shiloh is. Um, The other problem, too, is what people forget. Because everybody's like, man, his players look small and blah, blah. Do you see how big his coaches are and some of the people he has on that staff? Like his security guards are huge. His coaches are huge. Like he has form. I mean, Tim Brewster's not a little dude. So when you got all these big coaches, like he don't have no little DB coaches on his. Like Dion's probably one of the smallest coaches out of his staff. Like everybody on his staff is bigger than him. Uh, and then you put all these huge. I mean, because this Deion Sanders, let's be real. So he has security, he has people that follow him, he has also people that help him because he's had some toe stuff. And then, but people worried about the size of his players. Well, one, you get Shadur out of uh out of the out of the pocket, so that eliminates a little bit of that immediate rush. Uh, Shadur's son at quarterback is a really elusive QB. Um, so anytime they rushed him, it was kind of like he was getting loose. Like he just you just could, and he looked so calm and confident, like. I know Tom Brady's his new mentor as far as quarterback goes, and he's this his NIL partnership with TB12. 
but he never looked out of sorts. He always looked under pressure. I watched most of the game and he always looked calm, cool and collected. Like he looked like he was ready to go. And so that's just interesting to me um, that, that people did not think they'd be competitive. I just wasn't sure about the offensive line and defense line. I just, you know, when you see so many guys transfer, they had over 50 guys that are new that came into the team. You just don't know what you're going to get. And again, this is TCU. They're going to probably beat Nebraska, but they still got some big games coming up. So I just hope that, you know, the hype train uh, rolls with them, but then also when they lose, it's okay. Like, because people are waiting for the other shoe to drop. And that's the problem, though, with, like, his son, uh, Deion Sanders Jr. Like, great, you guys won. Great, you're trying to put it, you know, people didn't believe. People didn't believe in a lot of people, though. This is not new to sports. Like, you guys aren't the black sheep of sports. Like, there's a lot of teams that people didn't believe in, and they end up winning the game. You know, like the Pistons. People didn't think the Pistons Mm -hmm. would win back with Ben Ben Wallace and and, and that group of Tayshaun Prince. Like, they, it was a bunch. I mean, look at that team. Like, it was an unopportune group. And they end up winning the, the championship. So there's been people that have been underestimated and they still found a way to win games. So I, I, I get it, but they're they're getting so loud that now people are hoping they lose because they just want to go against them. But no, I I was a believer. I watched the game the whole time as a, like, I hope they win this one. And I'm so glad to see Travis Hunter because people were saying the same thing. Oh, he's not playing against like he's he's playing receiver in DB and in, 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 in the HBCU and the level of competition is not great in the FCS versus the FBS and come do that in FBS. Well, he came and did it. <laughs> he he so got over 100 impressive. yards passing and yeah. only allowed like one reception and had like what two interceptions or one interception was it two one pick I, th- I think it was one couple oh, pass breakups I know I, yeah. I know I'm thinking of two but yeah so that that was crazy to me but I don't know what what do you think are you a believer now um I am very interested to see the Nebraska game on Saturday so should we cheer for Nebraska then so it looks better for the Gophers because if Nebraska beats Colorado oh, now Gophers look really good man true yeah. I didn't think about that angle I yeah. just want to see Nebraska lose because they're in the West. Right. And so, you know, anytime somebody get knocked down to make sure the Gophers are the champions. Uh, but you're right. For strength of schedule, you are right. If Nebraska. So maybe let's let's hope for a closer game, just like TCU, like a close one. But yeah. I don't know. I don't I don't see Nebraska having the speed and the and the athletes to go with this Colorado team. They just they have way too many athletes on that offensive side of the ball. That running back and those all those receivers are legit. So anybody that's like worried about the transfer portal. Dion went and found four horses, like four. Those guys at receiver and running back were legit. I mean, yeah. that kid took that little uh that that pop pass out the backfield and got gone. Like I could not believe. I'm like, man, this that kid was is amazing. Mm-hmm. So they, I mean, they have three Heisman candidates right now: the running back, their quarterback, and Travis Hunter. Like, I don't think anybody's had a better week one ever when it comes to like putting that many people in the spotlight, but it's also Deion Sanders. If this was just Colorado with anybody else and they do that, they, they beat TCU. I don't think it gets blown up as much as it does. Cause it's Deion. It's the Deion Sanders effect, but I don't know what you got next. Yeah. Um, coming up next, Kyle Rudolph announced he will be retiring as a Minnesota Viking after mm-hmm. a 12 year career. His final stats for Minnesota, 10 years played 4,400 yards, 48, touchdowns so does tj hawkinson ron have a chance to eventually surpass rudolph amongst (laughs) all-time great vikings tight ends or is rudolph untouchable in your eyes 
I'm not untouchable, but 10 seasons, TJ Hawkinson is not going to get 10 in as a Viking. Um, mm-hmm. I think he'll, like, if he plays at least five, he'll probably have some great Viking stats. Um, but I don't think he'll pass like Steve Jordan. Um, it, it, you just have to play a long time to do that stuff. But yeah, Kyle Rudolph, and you remember too, I knew he was going to retire. He kind of told me it's a golf tournament. I didn't want to, like, that's not my job. If somebody tells me something in private, I'm not going to go out there and tell everybody about it. Um, I should have asked him though, like, hey man, let me let me do the announcement. But no, him, him and his wife talked to me for a minute. And I'm like, hey, what was your plans? He's like, yeah, I think I'm done. I think I'm gonna retire. Um, because he was a free agent. He said he was thinking about playing, but he also said he liked his off season, hanging out with his kids. And uh, I think when you realize like you have money, uh, you have your health, uh, you like to golf in Minnesota, uh, you love being around the Vikings and being back in town. Uh, I think I think it kind of gets to you like, hey, you know what, man? Like I don't have to go out here and sweat and, and hurt. I'm old. Um, so yeah, so I think Kyle Rudolph is at peace, but yeah, we, 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 we kind of talked about that before I, I, he told me he thought he was done. His wife kind of said he, he, she thought he was done and, uh, now we have the announcement. So yeah, he's going to retire Viking. I think that's fitting, uh, went to the Buccaneers, but that wasn't, you know, that was just a short stop just to do something. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, he'll be a, a Minnesota Viking. He'll be the purple ring of honor. Uh, and yeah, and I think people are excited to have him back in town. You know, clearly looks like he's going to be attending some games and stuff and be an honor probably at some events, who knows what, but, uh, yeah, no, I, I don't know if TJ Hawkinson can do it. You need at least, at least five years at five years of, cause, cause Kyle Rudolph didn't have a ridiculous amounts of passes where I think TJ could probably have some ridiculous, you know, maybe a, yeah. a 80 catch year, a 90 catch year under this Kevin O'Connell offense, thinking about the, the Travis, um, uh, Kelsey type tight end usage. I think TJ Hawkinson could hit that, but he needs at least five years. Like he needs five years to even, you know, be considered. And you said Rudolph, what, 4,400 yards? 4,488. Yeah. So it's not, it's not an untouchable number. No, it's not um, untouchable. The, the, the touchdown count, Rudolph was a red zone guy. 48 touchdowns is pretty good. Um, but you know, if Hawkinson has 800 yards for five years, he's already close. Correct to, to the. And that's why I say that's part. why I say five years. Yeah. I was like five years because maybe he gets a thousand yard season in there as a tight end. Maybe, maybe, mm-hmm. but you know, it depends Possibly. on how Kevin O'Connell uses him. Uh, and red zone, you brought that up. Like I don't, I don't know what Kevin O'Connell's red zone is going to look like this year. Is it going to be two tight ends? Is it going to be more Justin Jefferson trying to get one on one coverage? Because uh, you don't consider him that big red zone guy. You consider him the guy that once he gets open in the in the red zone, he's going to score. So, you know, that, that'll be interesting to see what, when they're stuck in the red zone, they have to pass. Is it a Justin Jefferson one-on-one route or is it, Hey, TJ, go line up at receiver and we're going to throw it up to you. So yeah, we'll, we'll see Sunday kind of get an idea of this offense. And what's the last one? Last one, Seth Walder of ESPN made a bold prediction that Ty Chandler will take over as the Vikings top running back by the end of the season. Mm-hmm. Do you believe that's possible? Anything's possible. Um, I could see why he would say that because the same thing we're all thinking is like, do we feel like Alexander Madison is this explosive? The problem is when you go from Dalvin Cook to Alexander Madison, you're like, but you know, for the Bucks going from LeGarrette Blunt to Rashad White, they're like, oh, okay, we're good. Like we we will be fine. We we went from you know perennial potential Hall of Fame candidate, um, you know, Pro Bowler to then Alexander Madison. I think that's the key. Is like we haven't and he hasn't played at all this year so what have you done for me lately is what this league is about we've seen a we've seen a ton of ty chandler we feel like he could if he gets the 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 majority of the carries or if he's the hot hand i mean i i I can kind of see where he's going with it because but i don't want to be captive of that because i know that's what that's alexander madison's chip right now is that everybody's kind of feeling that way like 
oh man, what are we gonna do without Dalvin Cook? We're gonna do it without Dalvin Cook. So because he's been he's made that comment. Like I, I know you guys are saying that. I know I'm I, I'm well aware. So we'll see if he comes out here and lays an egg and and has 30 yards rushing and and Ty Chandler has 50 yards rushing. You know, and that's how they get to the 80 to 100. And I I could see it. I could see, you know, Kevin O'Connell saying, man, look, Ty Chandler is better per carry average. Maybe we give this kid more carries. He's our guy. But you just never know, man. This league is, is weird. You just – you really don't know who gets hot and when they get hot. I know, like, the Dallas, Dallas Cowboys, when they drafted Marion Barber in the fourth round, they didn't know he was going to be their guy, but he ended up being their guy. Like, you just never really know. Um, but I don't know. Do you – before we get out of here, do you think he will do it? Um, yeah, it's going to require Chandler to make a big impact in a smaller amount of, of carries. Cause if there's 25 carries to go around, I think mm-hmm. that Madison gets like 17 of them to start. So Chandler's going to have to make his splash in like eight or nine carries, I think right away. Mm-hmm. Uh, if he can do that, then I think that they could start evening out those carries a little bit more. But the thing is, I, I believe they trust Madison as a three down back. I think he's going to be on the field a lot on third down. Um, so there's not going to be as much opportunity for a guy like Chandler to show out right away. So he'll have to really be efficient in those few carries he gets to make that impact. Mm. Well, that'll do it for us today on the Ron Johnson show. Make sure you guys tune in tomorrow for the rest of the Eric Decker part two interview. And as I mentioned, we're going to change the format up a little bit with the Ron Johnson show. You're going to get it once a week. Uh, that way you feel like you guys can consume it more, get more downloads, share, like, tell everybody about it. And then you don't have to worry about trying to catch up to every single guess we're going to spread them out um that that think that's going to be a better format for us so make sure you guys check out the minnesota football party four days a week monday through thursday get your vikings fixed with the refasan luke inman luke brahms sam ekstrom on locked on sports minnesota and again i'm ron johnson that's sam ekstrom this was the ron johnson show i want to thank you guys have a great day